what we're going to be studying this, this month is the perfect man. Who is the perfect man? Jesus. He is the perfect man. None of us in this flesh can be perfect. But it's what we, as Paul said, he pressed onto that he would attain. Amen. Ephesians 4.13 says this, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. We're on a journey, and that's what this is about. It's a journey. It's not a destination. As we last month are, uh, and in previous months, we've t- been talking about walking with God. And that's where we are headed to. We are headed to perfection. Amen. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, one of the things that stops us in our walk to perfection, and that's what we've been looking at this week, is doubt. Is doubt. And we're going to be looking at that. And how do we deal with doubt? And I've said uh, before that the thing about doubt, it comes when we're unsure. When we're not, we're not sure about whatever, if it's a relationship or if it's a situation. That is what brings a seed of doubt. Amen. So we're going to look at when we get into depression. Because when we're not sure, uh, that can bring things like depression. And I, 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 this, this lesson was a, a Tuesday night study I taught about three or four years ago. But I'm, I'm planning this month to, to really go into much more depth of it about the perfect man. And I, I, I put up this symbol. I don't know if you remember that. And does anyone remember what that, that symbol, that emoji represents? Huh? Well, they say, meh, meh. You know, it's like, meh. It's like when, when, you, when, you, when you know, you're, you, you, there's no enthusiasm. It's, eh, I got to go to church. It's Sunday morning. Meh. You know, it's, it's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no enthusiasm. There's no passion. And, and God speaks about that. And meh comes from, Doubt. It's when we, we're no longer passionate because we, we may have prayed for things and not seen them fulfill. And the Bible speaks about that in the book of Revelation. There is a meh church. Anyone know what that church was named? La- Laodicean. Yeah, they were a meh church. They just kind of were lukewarm. They weren't enthusiastic. They weren't passionate. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So because thou art lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. One of the things that stops us going on to perfection is that we have a meh attitude. You know, we're going through the motions. It's Sunday, we come to church. Or don't come to church. Right? It's a little bit too much trouble to come to church. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will what? Spew thee out of my mouth. Now, what, what causes people to get to meh? It's because they become disillusioned. Things that they wanted did not work out the way they 
expected, you know. Uh, when you're growing up in your teenage years, you have all these dreams and these plans, what you're going to do and what you're going to achieve by the time you're, you're 25 or by the time you're 30. And, and, and we go through di different uh, stages of life where we have these ambitions. I was talking to someone the other day and they were telling me, you know, I'm in my 30s and I'm not where I want to be. I'm not married. I hope to be married by now and, and have, um, you know, everything settled down and, uh, you know, and it's so easy to get discouraged. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That's a sad statement from God, isn't it? Because some people are just not, they're, they're just drifting through their relationship with God. They're not passionate. They're not really deep. Because when you're in love, you know all the extremes you go to to be with that person, don't you? You can't wait to be with that person when you're in love. You, you're on the phone with them talking nonsense, right? Don't, you, couldn't, you, couldn't, you couldn't tell what you were talking about. It was just hearing their voice. When you're in love with God, you're passionate about it. So it's a loss of faith that leads to that meh, you know. Oh man, I got to go to church. I got to go to prayer. I got to go to Bible study. You know, Satan wants to steal us and kill us. Do you know that? He wants to take away our faith. He wants to destroy us on this journey towards perfection. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, near the end of Jesus' ministry, he, he saw this happening to Peter. He saw the potential of what could happen to Peter once Jesus was gone. He saw that something was going to be there to take away his faith. And he said, and, and the Lord said to Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, and that he may sift you as wheat. Satan wants to destroy you, destroy you as a, a child of God. Did you know that? Did you know that he wants to destroy you? He wants to take away your faith, take away your joy. And he will use circumstance and people to do so. Amen? That's what his plan is to, to bring you through different stages of, of disillusionment, then a loss of faith to where you just want to give up, where you don't even want to get out of bed. Depression is probably one of the worst things that are in people's lives today. And, and, and sometimes it's not even uh, understood and, and, and known. You know, you get this kind of... Uh, Wanting to do nothing, just to sleep, you know, just to do nothing. And, 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 and it, is, it is Satan's way of turning you into meh, into taking away your joy, to destroying your love. Amen. That's what Satan wants to do. But I want you to, to understand that the Bible always says to these seven churches, he that hath an ear. There is always something that, that we can do. He says, I counsel you to buy of me gold, tried in the fire. You know what that means? To get the gold, you're going to have to go through some fire. Amen. But you can come out of it. You can go through it. God can deliver you. Amen. And the Lord said to Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to sift us. He wants to take away our joy. He wants to put us down. He wants to destroy us. He wants the winds of life to blow us through. And no one is impervious to that. You know that? No, I, I get those feelings too. There's, there's many times when I, when I say, you know, what am I doing? <laughs> I, have to, I have to speak to myself. <laughs> when no one is there, David had to encourage himself. There may be no one around to encourage you. David had to say, you know what? 
I remember years and years ago when God called me, when the prophet poured that oil over my head and said, you would be king. It hasn't happened yet, but God is not a man that he should lie. That's what you have to start telling yourself. If you've, if you, if you've had a promise from God, you have to stand upon it and not give up. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. As I've said to you many times when I read this scripture, I was kind of mad secretly in my flesh. <laughs> well, Jesus, if you know that's happening, just tell the devil to go away. Stop him. Why don't you just stop him? You could do that. You could just stop him. I said, Lord, why don't you just stop the devil doing that? But that's not what we're in right now. We're not in heaven yet. We're behind enemy lines. We're in a war, even if you don't know it. We're in a war. Jesus himself did not defend himself, right? He, he, he said, this, this is not my kingdom. If it were my kingdom, I would call 12 legions of angels. It's not his kingdom yet. There's coming a day when it will be his kingdom. And then it will be a different story. It'll be a different story. But while we're here right now, we're in a war. So what is going to get us through this war is our faith. And our faith has got to be anchored in the rock-solid belief that God loves us. Despite our messes, despite our failures, that God loves us. Who, who in here is a parent? Who has children? I assume you love your children. At times they make you so mad. Right? If you're a parent, you've been mad. <laughs> At times they may, but still you love them. God says his love for us is even so much greater than that. So, he says, even if a mother would forsake her nursing, I will not forsake you. And that is what we have to always come back to when we start to feel depressed and doubt and fear. Even if we cannot see the way, even if we're still struggling, tell yourself, this one thing, God loves me. Amen. You see, it's the loss of faith that leads to us getting kind of going through the motions, right? Just going through the motions. John 21 verse 2 says this, And there were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. This is after the crucifixion. This is after they've seen Jesus. This is after Jesus has told them, Go and tarry in Jerusalem and wait until you've been endued with power, right? They have they've known for without doubt that Jesus was resurrected and come back from the grave. And this is what they do. And I've said this to you before. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. <laughs> you know what we do when we get depressed? We go back to what we are comfortable with. We go back into the old groove we used to haunt. I go a fishing. Isn't that where three and a half years before Jesus said, come, follow me. Here it is after all of the miracles. You know why? Because we're still flesh. And this life can get to pressure you and squeeze you and take away your joy. And, and then you, 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 you do things just to get back into something that you're familiar with, that you know how to do. And so here it is. He says, Let's go fishing. Because he, he didn't know what to do. He, nothing was happening. Jesus is gone. And he's kind of drifting into meh. 
let's go fishing. And they say, we also go with thee. So half of the disciples go back to what they were doing when Jesus called them from this. Can you imagine that? They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night, they caught nothing. They're back exactly to where it was when Jesus first met Peter. This miracle of the fish happened at the beginning when Jesus first met Peter, where he had fished all night. And it was the miracle when Jesus told him to cast the net on the other side that made him realize who this was. So God here engineered a repeat of the same situation to get him out of, of his situation. And that's why Jesus said to him before he went, Satan wants to take you away. He wants to take away all the things that you have shared with me these last three and a half years. Satan will come and want to say, oh, you imagined that. Oh, that wasn't a miracle. That was a coincidence. That was just a coincidence. He will want to take away the things that God has supernaturally brought into your life to sow seeds of doubt. To make you want to say, Lord, did you really want me to do this? Did you really call me? Did you really give me this vision? Did you, did you really give me this dream? This is what Satan will do. And Jesus foresaw it. But he said, I prayed for you. And if Jesus has prayed for you, there is no greater. There is no greater. There's no greater if Jesus has prayed for you. And so Jesus let this whole scenario go through a second time. And that night, they caught nothing. But when morning was now come, Jesus appears. Sometimes he'll show up at your darkest moment, right? Because it's it, just before the dawn is when it's darkest. And then Jesus appeared, and he lit a fire on the shore. But when morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But at first, they didn't know who it was because they couldn't really see him. You know, they couldn't see him. And then finally, Peter said, I think that's Jesus. And he told them to what? Cast the net again and repeated the miracle. Sometimes, unfortunately, God has to repeat the same thing before we really get it. This is you, God. You're a deliverer. <laughs> I can't tell you some of the things God has done for me. They're just too embarrassing. They're just too embarrassing. But I can tell you this. He, has he is a deliverer. But Satan will want to come and lie to you and tell you, no, he, that was coincidence what that happened. That wasn't no miracle. And it's only when I start to tell it, the story, that it blows me away. <laughs> what I'm saying is Satan will come to take away your faith through circumstances, through all kinds of things. I can imagine when uh, Jesus didn't come, when Mary and Martha prayed, there must have been some doubt. Why didn't he come? Why didn't he answer right away? Satan will come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his, that's his job. Amen. So we get to the place where we, where we have doubt, and then we just start to go through the motions. Amen. In Isaiah 29, verse 13, it said, Wherefore, the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart, far from me, and their fear towards me is taught by the precept of men. That's, you know, when you just go to church and it's just going because it's a social event. It's Sunday. You know, we have to come to the Lord with a passion, with a zeal, with love. 
That's when God will really respond to us. Let me ask you this question. Do you love God today? Because that's what Jesus asked Peter. Simon, do you love me more than this? The thing I called you from three and a half years ago? You're gone back to doing this. Do you, don't you love me more than this? And he says, yes, Lord, I do. He says, well, then what? Feed my sheep. We have a calling on our lives. We cannot drift through life with a meh, with a, with a, with a, in a, without God's love and his joy. And what I want to tell you tonight, that there is a key to get out of your doubt. Amen. There is a key. One of the most interesting stories, and I've told you this before, was by John Bunyan. And the story was Pilgrim's Progress. And it was the story of a man called Christian. And his journey to the celestial city. One of the first things he he met was a friend and a companion. And as they're journeying on this road, someone says, you know, there's a shortcut. You can can cross this field and get, get there sooner. You get off the road and before long you're in Doubting Castle. Numbers 21.4. This happened to the children of Israel. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. The way can just wear you out. I preach the message that don't let the journey wear you out. And you know what, what was significant to me about preaching that was the fact that the Bible says about Jesus that he was weary. He experienced what you experienced. The Bible said he came and he sat on the well and he was weary. In his flesh, even though he was God, in his flesh he had to feel and understand how we feel going through life. He sat on the well and the Bible says he was weary. Amen. The children of Israel, even though God had parted the Red Sea, even though he was giving them food every day, just the journey wore them out. It says, And the soul of the people was much discouraged. Amen. You know, what I've noticed is that there is mountaintop experiences and then there's valleys. If your journey, it's not a flat plane. You're going to be sometimes on the mountaintop where everything is going great and you can see for miles. And then sometimes you're going through the valley where you're fighting and you're cutting and you're hacking just to get through. Because this is our Christian experience. It said that they were much discouraged. Their soul was discouraged. Even though God was providing, they could not see the end. All they could see was the journey and how much further they had to go. Sometimes that's our experience. We just look at the the mess we're in and how are we going to get out of this? You know, and just the struggle. You know, and to be honest with you, this week I was thinking some things and my wife said, I notice you're a bit, you know, you're a bit, uh, all right, let me say down. I, was, I wouldn't put it in those words, but let me, let me put, and she can tell my, tell my, my moods. And she was saying, you know, what, what's the trouble? I said, well, it's not any one particular thing. It was just the, I was thinking about all kinds of things that I got to deal with. And the, the, the devil was working on my mind to just make me go, oh, man. <laughs> but you know what? I'm fighting through that. And that's what I'm telling you here today. You got to fight through it. You got to fight through it. You got to do like David and encourage yourself. Amen. You got to remember the victories where God delivered you. 
You got to remember the victories. You got to remember the blessings. You got to remember how God opened up doors for you. Amen. You got to remember when, when the door was shut, when the lion was at the door and what God did. I mean, all I have to do is start thinking that. And I have, I have to start give God praise because I have lived a charmed life, a blessed life, a blessed life. See, in the story by John Bunyan, Christian and his friend, because they got out the path, they tried to take the easy way, they got captured. And the giant that captured them was called despair. We get into these situations where we cannot see the way out. And we start to think it's hopeless. And in the story, every morning he would come and beat them. The giant despair will beat you. The giant despair will beat you. And to show you that this can happen to anybody, anybody, here's John the Baptist, who Jesus said that among men born of women, there was none greater. But here's John now, in prison. Matthew eleven two. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now that's a surprising statement, isn't it? Because he was the same one that said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin. That should, that should tell you how, how Satan's most powerful weapon is doubt and fear. And he will beat you up with it. Here John was in prison, and maybe he had... Maybe he had expectations that Jesus was going to bring deliverance right away, you know? Because he, the, the whole plan of God was not revealed to everyone at that time. And so maybe he was one that Satan had said to him, Well, you see, you thought he was the one, and, and here you are in prison. You preached the truth, you didn't compromise, and you're in prison. And so even John the Baptist had to send a message, Art thou... He that should come, or do we look for another? Paul's experience in 2 Timothy 4.10, speaking about Demas, he says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved... Paul was left by himself. He started out in missionary journeys with all these people, but as the journey got tougher, as they were in fear of their life, one by one, his friends left him. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. They all left him. <laughs> Amen. Satan will bring despair and doubt into your life. But there is a key out of Doubting Castle. There is a key in the story, after being in the castle for months and being beaten up every day by the giant, he realized that they all along, they had a key. You know what the key is? promise. Bible says we have exceeding great and precious promises. And with that key of promise, they were able to get out of Doubting Castle. If you will start to believe the promises of God, we may not understand what we're going through. And most of the time we won't. It may not be explained to us. But if we will just believe that God still loves us. As Paul said in Romans, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
And he lists every single thing. Principalities, powers, height, nor depth, nor any other creature can separate us from the love of God. The only thing that can separate us is us if we don't believe it. Because no matter how much I love you, if you don't believe it, you can't receive my love. You cannot receive my love. You have to believe that God loves you. No matter what circumstance you're in, no matter what you're going through, you have to believe that God loves you. I was talking with someone else who was on Facebook who was expressing how depressed they were and, and how, you know, they, they compared themselves with all the Bible characters and they never seemed to go through. And they must have missed this verse. So I, I quoted this verse to them. Here's Paul again. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble. Let me explain to you something. You're not alone. You're not unique. I'm not special. <laughs> not in trouble. If you are a Christian, if you're on this journey, you're going to... The ex- Bible says, in this life we shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome. Because he has overcome... We can overcome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For I would not have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure. This is the great apostle Paul. Above strength. He was saying, above what I could bear, insomuch that we despaired even of life. He he maybe got like Elijah and said, Lord, just take me. (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm sure there's been times when each of us has said, Lord, just take me now. Get me out of here. Beam me up, Jesus. <laughs> Not beam me up, Scotty. Beam me up, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. What he's saying is the Lord brought him to this point where he could not rely on his oratory, on his skills, on his birthright, that he was a, 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 an Israelite, a Jew uh, of, the, of the tribe of Ben, that he couldn't rely on any of that. God will bring us to a place where the only thing we can trust and rely on is him. The only way out is through him and by him. Where the miracle has to come from him. There's no human way of getting out of this. Amen. I've been in that situation many times where there was no human way. It could, it could happen but God. And then when I look back upon my life and I think of some major, major, major things he's done for me. Amen. All I can say, the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. If God has given you much, if God has delivered your life... There is a requirement from you. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the hard times we suffered. This is Paul. In Asia Minor, we were having a lot of trouble. This is in a modern translation. It was far more than we could stand. We even thought we were going to die. In fact, our hearts felt as if we were under the sentence of death. But that happened so that we would not. The reason Paul is explaining this has happened so that we wouldn't depend upon ourselves. We had to cry out to God. God will put you in a position where you have to cry out to him. Amen. That you have to cry out. This is about the perfect man. We have to get to the place where we, our dependency is on him. Where it's nothing we can do of self. Amen. In, in this modern translation, it puts it this way. In fact, our hearts, in our hearts, we felt as if we were under the sentence of death. 
But that happens so we would not depend on ourselves, but on God. He raises the dead to life. God has saved us from deadly dangers and he will continue to do it. We have put our hope in him. He will continue to save us. As I've said so many times before, if you're on a mission from God, you cannot go yet. Not until your mission is complete. Amen. Amen. Now we know if the Lord don't come, this, this earthly vessel will transition. Amen. But it won't happen until God says so or allows it. Amen. We, we have some promises from God that if we are walking according to his word, if we still have a mission, hallelujah, um, we cannot go before our time. And the example of that is Paul. They stoned him. They beat him. He was shipwrecked three times. He could not die. Amen. He could not die. Not until he had testified before the emperor at Rome. God said, listen, you're, you, you're going to testify before kings. He told him that right at the beginning of his ministry. So the cure for the may and despair is, as I've said, is understanding God's love and then believing God's love. Do you believe God loves you? The thing about children is it's, it's not hard to, over time, get them to, to understand that you love them as parents when they're small, right? And I think the key is that little song that we sing. You know what song it is? What's that children's song you sing? If we could just remember that, maybe we need to sing it to ourselves. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bi- this is the key. This is the key to depression. This is the key. You may not understand what you're going through. It may, the way still may not be clear. But you have to believe somehow Jesus loves you. In fact, in the story of Martha and Mary, the first thing it starts out with, it says that Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. This was the, 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 the family that he loved. Because you're going through hard times does not mean God doesn't love you. The reason why you're going through hard times is because we're on enemy territory. It's because Satan hates you. Amen? And the only way he can hurt God is to hurt you, to hurt his children. Jesus loves me, he who died, heaven's gate to open wide. He will wash away my sin. Let his little child come in. In Matthew 18, he, he repeats that. He says to the disciples, they were shooing away the children. He said, no, he got mad at them. One of the few times Jesus got angry was when they were trying to stop the children coming to him. The Bible says if we will be converted and become as what? Little children. That's what we have. Just a pure love. You know, you could have just corrected a child, smacked them, made them cry. They'll still come running to you. That's how we got to be with God. Because he is our heavenly father. Amen. The key to get out of doubting and of being meh and despair is realizing that you are loved. That you matter. That God made you for a purpose. It's not happenstance that you, you were created. But you must return that love to fulfill that purpose. God created you for a purpose. You're not just here by chance. 
God doesn't just make stuff for nothing. Amen? He doesn't waste his time. You were created for a purpose. And part of that purpose is to fulfill his love. Amen. The promise is love. That's how they got out of the castle. The key was love. The giant was saying, nobody knows you're in here. Nobody knows I'm beating you up every day. They don't even know you exist. Nobody cares about you or your life. But then he remembered he had a promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Here's what Paul says in Romans 8.38. For I am convinced, and this is the key, you've got to be convinced, you've got to have it in your mind, that neither death, not even death, nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It, 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 one of the things I don't, can't wrap my mind about is the fact that God loves so many people. You know? But He is God. His, he is infinite. How can He love 7,000 million people? <laughs> I only have four children, so I didn't have to spread my love too thin. And when I would get mad, my wife would ask me, so which one of them would you give away? And the truth is none of them. <laughs> the truth is none of them, right? You know, if you want to get your neighbor, you know, the story goes there was these two women and one of them was talking about how bad her child was. Man, he's, he's, he's terrible. And the other lady started to agree. Yeah, he's pretty bad. And then she got mad at her. <laughs> Let me speak about my kid, but you don't you. I can speak about bad about my kid, but you don't touch my kids. See? That's love. So anytime I got mad, my wife would say, which one, which one of them would you give away? And of course, none of them. No matter how, how they, they behave, I love them. Do you understand God loves you more than that? More than that? More than that? He loved you so much that he was willing to go to Calvary. Amen. Nothing. And this is the key to get out of doubt. Because the devil is telling you, the reason why you're in this mess is because God doesn't love you. If God loved you, he would, he would fix it. No, that's not, not true. There is a reason why you're going through that. So that you will get to the end of your resources, your dependence, and throw, what did he say? Cast all your cares. Some of them, no, I think I can handle this. I'll only give you this portion, God. I can keep this one. I think I can. No, you can't. No, you can't. He will take you to the point where you have no more resources. That's what Paul said. He said, I was pressed, pressed out of measure. And the reason he came to the understanding is because so that my dependency would not be upon myself. But my dependency was totally on the sovereign will of Almighty God. Amen. Here's what the scripture says in Isaiah 54 verse 10. I'll read it because it's a bit small. It says, for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from you. Nor shall my covenant of peace be removed 
says the Lord who has mercy on you. What an awesome statement. We need to remember that sometimes. Let me read it again. It says, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy upon you. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. I'll read it in a different translation. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. That's how firm God's love is. All we have to do is respond to it and believe it. The Bible says that you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. Not, not meh, oh, got to go to church. But when you're diligent, when you're passionate, Lord, I want you to speak to me today. I'm not leaving here. We got to get like Elijah. I'm not letting you out of my sight, Elijah, because I want to get the blessing. Everywhere you go, I'm going to be watching you. I'm going to be watching you. You're not leaving me because I have had a promise that if I see you when you disappear, I get the double portion. We have got to have a made up mind, a determination that as they say, come hell or high water, nothing can separate us from God's love. This is how we get out of depression in believing. And true love is unconditional. That's why God said it. He says, the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you. Isn't that an amazing promise? See, God's love does not depend upon our effort. But as I've said, it's like a chain, right? A chain cannot push a car. A chain can only do what? Pull. A chain can be very strong. You can pull hundreds of tons, but you can't push a single thing. God's love is like a chain. You have to hold on. You have to grasp the other end. He can't push you out of trouble. He can pull you out of trouble. That means you have to do something. You have to hold on. You got to hold on. Paul here in Romans 9 is expressed so then it does not depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. He will give you as much love, but you have to respond. Knowing that a man, Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. It's not something we could do for ourselves. But his love is so great that he will give us that chain. We just have to hold on. The, even we who have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You don't get to heaven because you come to church. That's not how you get to You go to heaven because you've been obedient and show his love. And that love manifests in your obedience. Amen? So it's, it's not the root, it's not the, the fruit, but the root, so to speak. It's where it's coming from. And we see that example in the prodigal son. I'm almost out of time. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And you know the story. And after many days, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Amen. 
We've all done that at times, right? Man, I got this big blessing. And in about two or three months, you don't know what happened to it. How did I spend all that money? But God's love is so great. As you know the story, the Bible says the father was looking for him every day. The father's love had not changed, even though the son had done terrible things. He had wasted his, his inheritance. And when he came to himself, and this is the point, he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of the hired servants. But you know the story of the greatness of the father's mercy because he brought the ring, which symbolized sonship, and he put it back on his finger. And he bought the best robe. That means his robe. And he covered him. God will put the ring on your finger, and he will cover you when you make up in your mind to come back. So we're talking about the perfect man. And as I said, today we're dealing with how do we overcome doubt. And the way to overcome doubt, as I've been saying, is by love. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. You know this story, this rich young ruler came to Jesus. And he said, I've done everything. I'm, I'm practically perfect. I, I do everything according to the law. I pay my tithes. I, do, I come. I do good. So can I join your band? And Jesus looked at him and said, one thing thou lackest. And what it was is he loved something more than he loved God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The trouble is none of us can do that, right? Can you love God 100% with your heart, 100% with your soul, 100% with your mind? No, not in this flesh. And so that's why Jesus had to come and fill the gap. Because if people could have done that, then Jesus didn't need to die. Amen? His death wasn't necessary because if we could have done that, Jesus here says that that fulfills the law. But the law, Hebrews 7.19, let's read that. It says, for the law made what? Nothing perfect. I'm talking about being a perfect man, but the law could not make you perfect. But the bringing, what did make us perfect? The, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we, how we, we are now able to draw near to God. You see, we are perfected by his love. That's how we are perfected. If you could stand with me. You like that? God is not mad at you. <laughs> Jesus said, it's not me. I didn't come to destroy, but to save. He said, it's not me that's going to judge you, but the words that I speak will judge you. So in the Old Testament law, the emphasis was on how much we love God. In the New Testament, under grace, the emphasis is on how much God loves us. My dad used to tell a story of a little boy on a ship, and they were in a big storm, and the storm was starting to get rough, and the, way, the boat started to rock, and the little boy said, Daddy, let me hold your hand. And the father said, No, son, let me hold your hand. <laughs> 
See, our grasp on God may not be strong enough, but his grasp on us, his grasp on us can save to the uttermost. Hallelujah. Amen. John 21, 7, and this is about John. He says, therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. And of course, the interesting thing is that phrase, the disciple whom Jesus loved, is only found in the one book by the disciple whom Jesus loved. (laughs) He wrote it about himself. He just believed that God loved him, so he termed it the disciple whom Jesus loved. But God loved all of the disciples, but John was the only one who believed it. And you know that? You know why it turned out to be special? He was the only one that ended up following Jesus all the way to the cross. Why? Because he believed he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's what we got to leave here today, believing that God loves us with a love that is never failing. Because we're going through things does not mean Jesus doesn't love us. Because we suffer loss does not mean Jesus doesn't love us. The Bible said so about Martha and Mary when when Lazarus died. He he called them the, the, the people who he loved. Because we suffer doesn't mean Jesus loved us. Don't let the devil deceive you and beat you up in the castle of doubt every day. Hold on to that key of promise. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Because the Bible tells me. That is your key out of despair. That is your key of promise. That is your key of faith. Amen. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. That's what I said. God is not, Jesus is not mad at you. When the disciples, when the angels came to announce his birth, what did they say? What's the very first word they said? Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. Because the Savior was born this night in Bethlehem. Because he came to destroy the enmity, to break down the middle wall of partition. Amen. He said, I didn't, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Last slide, I'm going to put the promise of his love. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Amen. That's what you've got to hold on as we close in prayer today. Amen. That nothing can separate us from the love of God. Even the prodigal son, the father was just waiting for him to make a decision. Hold on to that promise and you will be able to get out of a despair. You'll be able to get out of doubt despite what you're going through. God still loves you and he has a kingdom and a place and a reward for you to come. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me this morning. Father, we come to you in prayer, Lord God. We lift up your name, Lord, as we close this part of our service today.